Now, can we turn together in our Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll read from verse 5 to verse 13, and hear what Jesus says about prayer here. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. It is fair to say that most people at some point in their lives will pray. Even if that is uh, somewhat vague um, and it's kind of a, a new age spirituality kind of thing, most people will still, at certain points in life, praying. Um, and what Jesus does for us is he uh, reveals to us uh, the difference between sort of a, a vague uh, spirituality that's sort of not sure what a person is connecting with um, Jesus shows how different that is from the Christian way of prayer. Because the new reality that Jesus brings is that when he came, he always prayed to his Father. And he invites his followers after him to pray, calling God our Father. So he's inviting us into a relationship through prayer which is personal, which is living, which is direct. This is a whole other level of connection than anything sort of vague and uh, impersonal. Uh, To read the Gospels, we discover that the way Jesus prayed often shocked the people around him. It shocked the Pharisees who thought he was so uh, presumptuous to dare to call God Father. This kind of praying, Christian praying, often shocks people of other faiths as well, and not used to this familiar kind of language. It makes me think of one uh, biography of a a Muslim convert with the title, I dared to call him father. So the radical change of coming uh, to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, J.I. Packer, a significant theologian from the last century, says, uh, what we think about the fatherhood of God... It reveals much about our grasp of Christianity. How we understand God as Father, it will shape our worship and our prayer and our way of life. So our focus today, and there's so much that we could say about prayer, so much we could say about how to pray, our focus today is just to to bed ourselves into this privilege uh, that we are invited by faith in Jesus to pray to our Father. 
That, that our goal today would be to remind uh, those of us who are Christians simply of the joy and the privilege that we have in being known by God as Father, in being able to call him Father, so that we would enjoy our prayer life because we're enjoying our life with God. And so the, the flip side of that, if, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, um, that you would see the beauty of the invitation of Christianity, not to, to know some uh, impersonal, uh, disconnected deity, but to know God in a living, personal way as Father how to pray. But we're going to begin, actually, part part one today, we're going to think about how not to pray, because that's how Jesus begins in verses five to eight. If you have your Bibles, perhaps you can look at that section there. Uh, when you pray, Jesus says, do not be like the hypocrites. Uh, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. Notice that Jesus assumes uh, that people pray. And we see this in our culture. We see it when, when a, a crisis comes or a tragedy comes. Even if people are not of faith, we will see uh, praying emojis and people talking about prayer. Uh, but Jesus assumes, yes, people will pray, but also uh, that people may often go wrong in prayer because we either miss or forget the character of God. If we forget God is Father, if we don't know God as Father, then, then there'll be something lacking in our prayers. And Jesus points out uh, two different ways. Uh, there's the way of the, the hypocrite or the Pharisee. And, and Jesus makes the point uh, to those who are listening, don't try to use God. That's what the Pharisees did. So, so the example that, that Jesus gives here is of a person who is um, doing their private prayer in public. Now, let me find the, the busiest place of the city, the synagogue, or, or the meeting point of two streets, and let me pray privately but publicly. Why? Jesus says, because what they're looking for is not to connect with God, but to gain reputation and standing. In other words, their religion is a means to an end. Their audience is people and not the living God. So Jesus identifies this problem that, <coughs> that we can easily use prayer as a means to an end. Jesus says there's no reward in that. Well, some people, in this case, might give them a well done for being very religious, but they wouldn't know God any better. They wouldn't have enjoyed time with him. What does Jesus say? When you pray, pray in secret, then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Why does he talk about praying in secret? Praying before the audience of one. When we pray in secret, when we want to spend time alone with God, we have this wonderful promise that Jesus meets his children there. And the reward of making time alone with God, the reward is that we get more of God. It doesn't enhance our reputation or standing. We're not doing it simply to get stuff. We want to know God better. There's reward in that. And so there's a reminder uh, for us at the beginning that we must meet God in secret. We must meet God personally. Perhaps if we've been brought up in a Christian family or we're used to going to church, we can we can almost sort of, um, sort of gain our, our prayer by, by extension. But God wants it to be personal and living for each one of us. In a sense, there is a, such a difference, and Jesus and the Bible will say, there's a difference between knowing about God, and the Pharisees and the hypocrites knew plenty about God, and knowing God in a living way, in a direct way. Perhaps it reminds us, too, to be careful about 
the way that we pray, the balance of our prayers, you know, it could be easy, I, I suspect, for us to think about God as the sort of cosmic vending machine. You know, I, I bring my prayer, I put it in the slot, and I expect God to deliver. God is personal, God is living, and we pray to enjoy him as Father. So we don't pray like the hypocrites. We also don't pray like the pagans. What did the pagans do? They kept on babbling. And why did they do that? They're trying to force God uh, to conform to their plans and purposes. So, so the pagan thinking about God was the gods, they have many gods, the gods must be persuaded. Uh, so, so there needed to be care about the volume of prayer, the length of prayer, the, the type of words that we use, the location that a person prayed, the sacrifices that were brought. Uh, perhaps the best place in the Bible to see this is uh, in the Old Testament story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Elijah sets up the test for the sake of Israel. Uh, let's, let's build two altars, two sacrifices, and the God who answers by fire is the one true God. And, and what do we see from the prophets of Baal? We see them uh, shouting and screaming and dancing and cutting themselves with knives, all trying to get the attention of their God. And then Elijah comes and prays personally, uh, directly, and God answers because God alone is living. But the pagan way of thinking, and perhaps in our own hearts we we recognize this, some of us, maybe because of our, our background or our circumstances, our natural thought about God is that his instinct is to be, in the first place, against us. And what I need to do is earn God's attention earn God's favor. And sometimes that means prayer can be used in a way to try and twist God's arm because we presume he is naturally not for us. What does Jesus say? He says, don't be like them. Just stop. Stop and remember. We pray to a father. Verse 8, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. He is Father. He loves us. He is Father. He welcomes us. Uh, He's the perfect Father. He already knows what we need. And if you've got your Bible and you turn uh, over to chapter 7, he gives that uh, wonderful picture. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Hopefully, nobody. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Again, no one would do that. And then Jesus says, if you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We come to a God who is generous, who is gracious, who is for his children. So we don't need to be like the pagans. We don't need fancy language. We don't need repeating phrases. And we don't need a mindset that says, I need to prove myself uh, to earn God's attention. Our Father in heaven is not like a busy politician uh, or a busy work manager where we need to uh, harass him with constant calls and emails um, to persuade him that, that we could get a minute of his time. Actually, our Father is much more like um, those Zoom calls that you've maybe been on. I was on one this week and it made me think of this. Um, maybe a work call, lots of responsible, responsible people in the room, And especially this happened a lot during lockdown, I think. Uh, You'd be in the middle of a meeting, important things being discussed, and maybe there's a dad on the call, and all of a sudden the screen goes blank, and the next second he's back and he's got a kid on his knee. 
uh, and there's another kid in the background and coming in and getting attention. And that's what our Father is like. He's not too busy for us. Well, we do not distract him. Uh, he wants to know us. He wants us to spend time with him and to trust his character, to know that we're free to burst into the room, to approach with confidence. So we don't pray to force God. And also we don't pray to try and impress God. When we know the gospel, we know that Jesus, in his perfect obedience, in his sacrificing himself uh, for the sins of his people, has impressed God and has earned favor for us, earned the grace of God for us. So we pray trusting the gospel and we pray trusting our good Father. So just before we move to the Lord's Prayer, how do you today view your life with God? Uh, perhaps you have read uh, some of those uh, heartbreaking stories that get reported in the, in the news or perhaps in, in biographies of, of, of children who are adopted by a, a loving, stable family, uh, but they never manage to adapt to that new surrounding. Perhaps they never had a, a mum and dad, and so they continue to act like orphans. The lying continues, manipulating continues, perhaps hoarding food continues. Love is there in the house, but but some, for, for a whole number of, of sad reasons, just can't receive it. Perhaps thinking, I'm not worthy of this love. Perhaps instinctively distrustful of another Would that describe our life with God? Remember that trusting in Jesus, trusting his death on the cross to pay the price for our sin, changes our relationship. God is no longer our judge. He becomes our father. And the way is open through Jesus to know and enjoy life with our father in heaven, to pray to him, to walk with him, that love is ours and fellowship is ours and security is ours and peace is found in our Father. So it's an invitation for us to hear Jesus' words, not to live as spiritual orphans, not to live at a distance from God, but to enjoy the privilege of being adopted by our Father in heaven and pray to him as Father. So, so if the first uh, part of Jesus' teaching is about how not to pray, uh, he, he, he turns in verse 9 to 13 to teach us how to pray. So from verse uh, 9 uh, to verse 13. Um, whenever we're uh, learning anything, a new skill, um, it will typically be the case that we are taught certain key concepts, uh, foundations are laid upon which we then build need to learn the piano well you probably get scales coming fairly early you need to learn a new language you will get taught the rules of grammar and so on and and what Jesus is doing in the in the Lord's prayer is he's giving us a model uh, here is a here is a pattern here is a set of uh, concepts that we can pray and use and build on uh, to give shape to our prayer lives so yes, we can use them uh, as they are, but also we can take the ideas and we can expand them and we can begin to pray them uh, personally. And that's actually what we're going to do in our community groups on, on Wednesday to think about how we can take the Lord's Prayer as, as a pattern 
and to allow personal prayer to flow from that. But um, just before we get into the details, uh, a a few things to say. First of all, that the Lord's Prayer uh, gives the priority um, of Jesus uh, for us for, for prayer in the sense that what comes first is the glory of God and the kingdom of God probably runs counter to the natural instincts of our hearts, especially if we're, our tendency is to pray when we need something. We want to rush straight to, you know, give us today our, Bonhoeffer said, if we were left ourselves, we'd always pray, give us today our daily bread, probably not much else. Now, Jesus reminds us to begin focusing on, on the glory of God and, and pursuing the kingdom of God. Um, this prayer also is really helpful for setting balance for us. It's a really short uh, model prayer, but what, what it takes in is wonderful. It takes in praise and worship. It takes in kingdom and mission. It takes in the needs of ourselves and the needs of others. Um, it brings us to forgiveness and our need of God's grace. It, it reminds us of the reality of spiritual warfare and the need to resist temptation and find help in temptation. And notice too, um, and just to remind ourselves, the our and the us language that when Jesus wants us to pray, he wants us to pray not just for ourselves, and when we're praying for ourselves, to also be praying for others. Uh, when something in God's word uh, hits our hearts, that's food for our souls, but we can also pray that that same truth would be reality for others as well. So prayer sets priority and it sets balance. But again, just to remind ourselves that when Jesus teaches us to pray, he reminds us prayer is personal because we pray to our Father. Just to keep us on this key truth that who we pray to uh, makes all the difference. Uh, Well, having uh, said some introductions, let's uh, look at this uh, prayer. It breaks down into two sections, uh, verses 9 and 10. We can think about uh, Jesus teaching us to worship our Father. Uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the first concept is is worship. Um, but remember those first words are about intimacy and about access. And access and intimacy that we share. If we are children of God, then we pray to God who is our shared Father. Creates a sense of unity and fellowship within uh, a church. Uh, he sets the tone. We pray to our Father, and that reality we're praying to our Father should uh, follow through the whole of the prayer. Uh, we pray to our Father who is in heaven. Our Father is on the throne of the universe. He is great, He is above us, and He is our Father, and He is for us, and He is personal. And we have access. So um, there's cause to praise God from the very beginning. And there's also cause for confidence as we pray. Because he's for us and not against us. Uh, The word hallowed is not a word that we hear apart from in the Lord's Prayer, most likely. Uh, We can think of the idea of Jesus teaching us to pray that we would see God as greater than anyone and anything else. See God as more worthy of praise and honor and obedience and sacrifice than anyone or anything else. And that we would glorify God as holy and unique and uh, so far above us, perfect in all his ways. It's really significant, isn't it, that, that where does Jesus begin? He begins with a focus on, on the glory of God that the Father is on the throne and and not us. 
And it's a wonderful truth for being able to settle our hearts, for allowing us to be able to rest and trust if we know our God and our God's in heaven and God's on the throne. And this pattern for prayer, just to remind ourselves that it's not just for prayer, it's, it's also the ideal pattern for life. Jesus is teaching us that, that at the beginning there's nothing greater than knowing God as Father, than glorifying God in our lives, enjoying him as Father. Do we have that? Is that our reality? That we can worship God as Father Well, moving from there, verse 10, the second concept, the second building block for prayer is about kingdom. Jesus teaches, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think important for us to recognize that to pray this prayer is to submit to God's kingship and to God's rule rather than insisting on ours. This isn't asking God to build my little empire. This is asking our hearts to be turned that we would seek the Father's kingdom. And that naturally flows, doesn't it, from loving God as Father. If we love him as Father, then we're going to seek his honor. We're going to want to obey him. We're going to be glad to live under his rule because we understand that he is good and his ways are good. And Jesus is teaching us, don't pray my will be done, but pray your will be done. Maybe that sounds familiar to us. We hear Jesus pray that in the garden of Gethsemane. As he agonizes facing the prospect of becoming the sin bearer of the world, going under the curse, going under the wrath of God, taking the sins of his people and the punishment that we deserve. And Jesus prays, if there's any other way, but not my will, but yours be done. And so Jesus teaches his followers to understand that the plans of heaven are better than our plans. The will of heaven is better than our will. Again, it struck me this week thinking about this prayer. You know, sometimes if we're familiar with it, we just kind of breeze on through it. But and when he prays, your will be done, he could have said, your will be done on earth. Well, that's a valid prayer, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Think about heaven for a moment. What's what's life like in heaven? Well, from the little glimpses we get into the Bible, we can at least say heaven is a place of perfect, joyful worship. It's a place of absolute obedience. It's a place of perfect love. And so as we pray this, we're praying that the, the pattern of Jesus and the pattern of heaven would be ours on earth in my life, in my family, in my church. Putting the worship of God, the obedience to God, letting the love of God shape our day-to-day. And maybe some ideas for praying this way, uh, that we would pray that we would submit humbly to the Father's purposes and plans. Sometimes his plans feel good to us, other times they're really hard that we'd be ready to submit and trust him as Father. That we'd pray and, and seek more loyalty and obedience to our Father, not just in the parts that are convenient for us, but, but the parts where it hurts and it's going to cost us. Now, to pray this prayer also is to commit ourselves to seeking the spread of the gospel. 
your kingdom come, is why we've got Mission Sunday next week. Uh, to remind ourselves and co- to commit ourselves to, to work for, for global and, and, and local mission, to pray for our mission, that more people, men, women, boys and girls, would know God as Father through trusting Jesus, his Son. To pray your will be done is also going to mean work for us. Committing ourselves to search God's words to know our Father's will. We need to know our Bibles because here is where the revealed will of God is found. Last week we thought about the priority of the Bible in the Christian life. It ties up with our, our prayer lives. We, we read our Bibles and perhaps sometimes we're comforted, sometimes we're challenged. We, we talk to God about that and then we seek to obey. The first half of the prayer, Jesus reminds us we pray to worship our Father. And that's good for us. It's good to remember I'm not king. And it's good to have confidence I pray to this Father. This Father. Um, So that's the first part of the prayer. Worship your Father. Then he moves in verse 11 to 13 uh, to ask your Father. So there's three things that we are invited to, to consider here. First, provision. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. And remember, we pray to our Father, a Father who knows and a Father who is generous. Perhaps for the the Jewish people listening as Jesus first taught this, they'd be thinking back to the Old Testament, thinking back to the Exodus, thinking back uh, to them being in the wilderness and God uh, providing manna from heaven every day. Daily, the people of God had to trust God to provide. For us to pray this prayer, because of the times that we live in, I think in part is is asking God to, to teach us and to show us that we are needy. We have real deep needs. Because I think one of the challenges of this for, for us, like for lots of people in the world, they have to pray for their daily bread because there's, there's starvation and there's drought and there's, there's famine. But for us with supermarkets and full fridges and cupboards, it's, it's harder. We can feel comfortable and we've got many resources. And so we need to think deeply when it says, give us today our daily bread. What are we asking? And We're asking for those things that we need in order to do the will of God. And that's going to involve more than just food. It includes food, but it involves more. But it's good for us to stop and remind ourselves that my physical life, my health, my being alive is a gift of God. He needs to sustain me second by second. We're that dependent on our God. For our moral choices... For living to the glory of God, we need God to help us moment by moment. Otherwise, we will not do the Father's will. It is good for us to pray this and and to remind ourselves, do you know what, if I'm going to please God, then I need God's help in my family, in those relationships to have patience and wisdom. In my workplace, I need God to know how to uh, work hard and work well and, and to please him because sometimes uh, there's complexities. Jesus reminds us to pray to God for the things we need. Uh, perhaps uh, to help us pray this, one thing that certainly I find helpful, you might find helpful, is is at the beginning of each day, just think about what's going on in that day. Uh, any meetings you have, any conversations you expect, any activities, commit them to God. Uh, before you're about to go uh, to uh, your classroom, 
uh, pray for that time. To live understanding that God is present with us and that he asks us to ask him for help. Because this is much more than food. Our needs are so many. We need the wisdom of God to navigate life well. And we need patience. We need compassion. We need energy. In January especially, we need energy and motivation to to live to please God, to serve others well. So we pray for provision. Give us today our daily bread. And then in verse 12, uh, Jesus reminds us how important forgiveness is to the Christian life and to our prayer life. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Uh, Remember, when we pray this prayer, we are praying to a father who has poured out his wrath on his son, Jesus. That Jesus was condemned so that we might never know condemnation. And so as we we pray, we remember that by grace we are welcomed by our Father. But this prayer so helpfully keeps in view for us the grace of forgiveness. That our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. We see that at the cross. It's good for us to reflect for day-to-day life, my massive debt to God has been cancelled by God's grace. Didn't deserve that forgiveness, received it by grace. So that our hearts would be soft, that we would pay that forgiveness forward to others. Compared to the offences we commit against a holy God, uh, the offences of others are small. If we find ourselves struggling to forgive, and sometimes in relationships there's there's breakdown and, and, and there's a real struggle and we can find ourselves fighting and battling or perhaps giving someone the cold shoulder. That's the time when we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. Father, you have forgiven me, an unworthy sinner. Father, you move towards me in love in the sending of Jesus. Help me move towards the other person. Help me to show grace and forgiveness to that other person. Jesus in this prayer also is reminding the church of the reality of ongoing sin. This is something to pray regularly, daily, forgive us our debts. Uh, People used to speak about keeping short accounts with God. When we are conscious, aware of sinning against God, what should we do? Not not run away from God, not try and minimize it or justify it or try and blame someone else, but rather knowing in the gospel we've been freely forgiven, we confess it. We bring our sins into the light so we are forgiven so that those barriers that can stop us knowing God's smile and experiencing God's presence will be removed. And then the last concept is in verse 15, uh, 13, rather. Uh, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's another building block for our prayer lives, to pray for God's protection. And again, who are we praying to? We're praying to our Father. So we're asking our Father 
to help us and to give us strength, just as children in weakness or struggling, doing something that's hard, if their parents are around, will ask for help. What's the reality that this prayer, this part of the prayer is pointing to? It's pointing to the fact that, that Christians are weak, that we give in to sin. There is still that battle of, of sin that rages in our hearts, and all too often we give in to those sinful desires. It's also reminding us of the reality that that Christians are vulnerable uh, to the attacks of our enemy, the devil. He's described as our adversary and uh, the father of lies who wants to uh, persuade us that, that life apart from God is better, that not listening to God's word is better. He wants to steal our joy. We'd love to, to rip us out of God's hand, but praise God, by God's grace, he cannot. But it, the, to pray this prayer is to remind ourselves about how serious sin is, so that we wouldn't get complacent, especially when it comes to temptation, that we wouldn't think, well, I dealt with this temptation really well the last time, so I've got this sorted, so I don't need to lean on God's word, I don't need to to trust in him to help me, I don't need to pray about this. Jesus wants us to distrust ourselves, but to trust our Father in heaven. To never move away from that posture of being dependent, of finding refuge and shelter in and under God. And this is something that really matters because perhaps you have seen what happens when people have that sort of attitude of pride towards sin and temptation and think, you know, it'll never happen to me. We, we have seen ministries and churches and families and lives be wrecked by sin, by the devastation uh, of sin. And so in the, the heat of the battle against sinful desires, when the devil would come and, and tempt us to unbelief or to disobedience, we need to remember that we are children. We need to cry out to our father and recognize he's a powerful father. He's a gracious father He's the king. He is strong to save. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability uh, to resist. In his mercy, he will always provide a way of escape for us. So we pray to him and we trust him. So Jesus says to his followers, to the church, pray to your father. Returning to where we started, there is no greater privilege on this earth than knowing God as Father in heaven. And this reminds us that we need to know God personally. Not just to know about him, but to know him. To have this direct, living, personal relationship with our creator, our king, our saviour. Now, what Jesus doesn't teach here is this. He doesn't teach us how do we get to enjoy this relationship. He doesn't teach us here how can people like us be children of God? And perhaps that's our question. It's amazing to think. How can people like us, sinful people, be children of God? Well, again, the answer lies in the work of Jesus. Jesus, the eternal Son, the Father loves, who came into this world to live Praying your kingdom come, your will be done. 
who came to die, giving his life to atone for sin. Jesus, the son who is cut off so that we could come home. Jesus, who in love shares with his people the joy of knowing God as Father if we trust him, put our faith in him. So as we close, do we have that joy today? If that's not our joy, then pray to God for it. And if we do have that joy, pray to God from that joy so that we would enjoy relationship with our great Father in heaven. Let's uh, turn again to pray. And after I've prayed, we can pray together uh, the Lord's Prayer. Lord God, we thank you for the teaching of Jesus. Thank you for these words that remind us of the great privilege that we have by your grace of calling you our Father. Lord, may we know more and more of your love and your power, of your wisdom, of your goodness, of your truth and your compassion in our lives. May it shape how we think about ourselves. May it shape our priorities. May it lead us to a concern for mission. May it help us to seek to be reconciled to people. May it make us dependent on you for life and breath and everything else. Lord, that we would seek to praise and glorify you that as we read your words, uh, it would lead us to, to praise or to confess sin or to seek your help and to pray for others. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would make us as individuals, make us uh, as a church, a people of prayer. Lord, as we pray for ourselves, we also want to pray uh, for the city we find ourselves in. We thank you for it. Lord, as we think about this wonderful invitation to living relationship, we pray for those who are lonely, for those who are hurting, for those who feel forgotten. We also pray for those who are desperately seeking you, but seeking you in the wrong places. Lord, may you in your mercy reveal yourself in truth and power and love revealing Jesus as the only way of salvation. Lord, we pray that many people in this city would seek you and find you and have that joy of knowing you as Father. Lord, we pray for our students today, as many of them will begin again college and university. Lord, we pray that as there is more in-person times that that would really help with learning we pray that you would give them that desire to know you in your word and in prayer so that they might be able to live for you in their classes among their friends lord that you would guard their hearts that you would protect them help us as a church as we seek to disciple lord we pray for the work of the christian union and we ask that you would continue to, to build faith 
And as the good news of Jesus reaches out into the different campuses, that, that many would turn and put their trust in the Lord Jesus. Lord, we also pray for nations that have been uh, in the news this week. We we think of the continued uh, unrest in Kazakhstan, uh, the tensions in uh, Ukraine and Russia. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would have mercy. Uh, we pray for the light of the gospel uh, to dawn and to spread. Uh, we pray for churches and for ministers and for Christians in those countries. Uh, Lord, we pray for um, the islands of Australia and Tonga and surrounding. Uh, Lord, very different places with very different cultures. Uh, but ultimately, uh, biblically, we understand that uh, the need of each person is the same. Uh, people need to know uh, the living God through Jesus for themselves. And so we pray for churches and ministries and mission uh, in Australia and Tonga and other parts of the world around there. Lord, that it would be your pleasure to take glory for yourself by causing men and women and boys and girls to turn and trust in Jesus. And now we can use the words of the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we close, we'll sing together the hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us.